It's a five-star podcast. Because we do it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new season of the What's Real podcast. This is season five, hard to believe. This is episode 189. I am your host, Ed Demko, along with my co-host, co-conspirator, co-contributor, and my co-tag team championship partner in podcasting, the J himself, the J. Happy New Year, brother. Happy New Year. Hey, Ed. We're back. The What's Real podcast, season cinco. Hey, yeah, season five of the show. I can't believe it. We're headed straight into 2024, a brand new season. Welcome to the season premiere. As always, your boy, the J, is as pumped as ever and ready to deliver. And I have to mention this to you off the bat, head because it's one of my gimmicks here on the What's Real podcast is the J always has to be pumped because basically we take our love of pro wrestling overboard and we bleed it into our real lives. And just like a wrestler is you know best their best character is is their real personality turned up to 10 that's what the j is here on the show and you know your boy's a pump man so i'm always pumped up and bringing it for the what's real podcast but it was just announced that one of my idols a man that we've talked about on the show numerous times the austrian oak himself the legend that is arnold schwarzenegger just introduced for the first time open to the public i guess it's been in beta his app and it's aptly named pun there. Hey, Ed, the pump. That's what Schwarzenegger's app is. So I'm downloading it now. There's a free trial, but there's a fee on it. So your boys, uh, you know, saving money. So I don't think I'm going to be using it weekly if it's not free, but nonetheless, man, it all goes up into the pumpness of the what's real podcast and the J let's do it. Hey, Ed, what can I say? I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself as always. That was that was the most ridiculous segue I've ever heard ever. So pretty, pretty perfect, way, perfect way to start the season. So I'll say that much. Uh, we have a good show lined up for you guys this week. Of course, we're going to be talking some goofs as we do each and every week. And of course, it is a supersized NFL edition of the show with the season winding down. We haven't covered the NFL in a couple of weeks. Our power rankings are back. We're going to make some predictions for the, the last week of the NFL season and the playoffs. Uh, and all that fun stuff. So let's just get into it here, the J. It is a new year, new season here on the What's Real podcast. Happy 2024 to everybody listening. Uh, but we are getting into some new stuff here on the show for the year. Uh, I guess some programming notes we can give you guys moving forward for the rest of the month. Uh, as you know, in February, if you guys follow the show every year, we tend to focus on a subject or a person or somebody that we're into uh, and kind of cover them for the entire month. We're getting that, the planning stages underway for that. So you can expect that again in February this year on season five. Um, and of course, that remains the rest of the month. So we're already starting in January. We're easing into the new season. But probably what we're going to do uh, moving forward for the rest of the three weeks here of the month of January is we're going to pick a movie segment that we do here regularly on the show. And we're going to do a week of each. So expect to see a week of Thursday Night Prime. Uh, a week of Fridays at Midnight, and of course, a week of the movies that made us. Uh, so we'll round out the month there. Of course, we're going to be talking NFL and NFL playoffs moving forward. Uh, but that kind of gets less and less, less and less each and every week. And before you know it, we're completely out of the NFL season and we're filling the show up with all kinds of different types of stuff that we like to talk about here. 
Uh, of course, we'll be talking pro wrestling as the year goes on and things like that. I'm sure we're also going to have some other things that we may be doing for the first time on the show as well. And of course, it's our brand new segment coming up next week, the Jay, uh, What's Real Culture, which I know we're pretty excited about. We talked about that a little bit on the, the season finale and things like that in the specials and stuff moving forward. Uh, that's something that uh, I'm looking forward to jump into. It's going to be a lot of fun. Dude, I, I am so ready and willing and able hey, uh, to join you on the journey of season five of the What's Roll podcast for the next year, week to week, dropping every Friday, all the stuff we cover. I can't wait, man. Coming off a, a tumultuous 2023, as always, you know, year in review, uh, we could get into some things wrapping up the year, but definitely looking forward to the future. And, and just since I, I brought it up at the beginning of the show with the Arnold Pump app, I actually, it, it downloaded for free. And I, I get a video call from Arnold. Welcome <laughs> to the pump. So this is a pretty cool app, man. I, I don't mean to be promoting Arnold's app because we're not paid, but. We're not? Of course, I hung up on Hey Ed. Live on the air, doing our thing. Weird. And that's how we go. So we'll see what Cam can do with that. But yeah, I lost you there. Hey, and I was I was still talking because your boy the J is. Um, um, you got to slow me down here and pull back the reins. I'm I'm just oh, like literally overly pumped for season five. But I was getting into the Arnold app. I shut it down. We're not promoting it, but it's it's a pretty cool thing. But I'm screwing up the flow of the show. Hey, and I apologize. How dare you, you piece of garbage? We're ruining the fucking season before it ever gets started. But we'll get back on track right here. But uh, we were able to hang out a little bit this year for New Year's, which was always nice, uh, seeing some friends and stuff like that. And obviously, we're straight out of the holiday season, so I hope everybody out there had a safe and happy holidays. Uh, but it's been nice. I've been off work this entire time, uh, which is well needed. Um, and I know you had some time off in between there and everything. So it's uh, it's nice to refresh the batteries and get the new year started, even though I'm not, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to the next two wonderful months here or so in Pittsburgh which is we call winter uh, because it's it's pretty bad. AKA <laughs> Honestly, doom and gloom. Dude, it, here we are, by the way, because as we record the show on a Tuesday, it's January 2nd here, uh, obviously before this comes out on Friday. But I'm pretty sure I've not seen sunshine since Christmas Day, literally. It's been a while. And, and that says it all that it was Christmas Day because Christmas the, this year was definitely not a winter, winter wonderland by any means. And definitely not complaining, you know, because I had some traveling to do going to the, the family's house and everything. So not, not complaining, but nonetheless, being here in Pittsburgh for uh, Christmas 2023, it was like what, what it hit on Christmas, like almost uh, 50 some degrees. Yeah, it was almost 60. <laughs> almost 60, so it, it felt more like Easter than Christmas. Yeah, so. it did. Yeah. And uh, Easter, yeah. there'll be snow everywhere. Of B- course, believe what you want, uh, climate change people, but something's going on here because we consistently seem to talk about it on the podcast week to week as well. I, yeah, I think we're still just weird. so bewildered by it, living here for 44 years, and, and you still can't get used to it. No, it's pretty terrible. I mean, of course, too, that meant that we started the new year off with some snow. Uh, because, of course, so that has to happen on New Year's Eve, whenever you're out and fucking the weather has to get dicey. Uh, but whatever, that's we're on the other side of it. And as we talk about here on the show, the Jay, a lot with uh, sneakers and sneakerhead shit, we've officially hit boot season. Boots. 
Yeah, it's boots for sure. I got, I'll be, I've been busting mine out actually, and same getting them all cleaned and ready. Because yeah, we really haven't had to bust them out uh, too much in the fall. I've worn my Tims and some other boot like apparel, but other than that, with the weather still being kind of weird and, and warm uh, on clear days, I've still been busting out my Jordans. Yeah, I try to break shit out, you know, as I can. I, dude, I wore Jordans on Christmas this year, which was probably maybe the first or second time I've ever done that. Oddly enough, but, uh, you know, it just it gives you the opportunity to do it because honestly here in probably like the next six to eight weeks, we're not going to be wearing much tennis shoes at all, uh, which is kind of good for me because I have so many that I have to fucking clean right now. And I like, know, we talked about kind of organize and put away. It's been annoying. Like, and it's, and dude, I'm even running behind one of the things I wanted to do when I was off is like kind of go through my closet and kind of get rid of stuff and like, you know, reef configure everything, which of course I didn't get to. So that's another completely annoying project for another day that I still have on tap. So I'll probably have to do both of those things in one day, which will take me like six hours to do, which is horrible. I'm in the exact same boat, brother. I, I get delusions of grandeur because I rarely get time off. And so when I'm looking at like, a, you know, I closed the, the week of Christmas this year with it being on a Monday, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, don't have to worry about work for the, the week. I can focus on my film business stuff and spending time with Katie and the kids and doing this and that, seeing my friends, which, you know, we mentioned that on the show. We haven't been able to get together all like that from like the end of the summer to the fall. And I, I, I get all these ideas in, in my head of all this stuff I'm going to do. And it's like, Jared, you have four days. Like Christmas was Monday. You have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You yeah. know, and then it's then it's a crazy busy weekend, and we we had New Year's Day, so I definitely took advantage. I, I had a good time. I was productive in, in those things that I did need to do. I, I had a good time. I, I saw a bunch of my friends and family. Spent time with with my wife and kids. The kids had a good Christmas. Everything was was solid. But yeah, just to your point with the because we were we were joking. I think the season finale of what's real that we were talking about eyeing that stuff up and talking about cleaning out the closet and doing a kind of spring cleaning in the winter. Cause we were kind of both at that juncture with, with the stuff we have in our wardrobes and and I didn't get to it either. Cause I think I mentioned to you, I, I like you said, taking six hours, I didn't want to start it and get halfway and through and have finish. to leave. Yeah. With like clothes being everywhere. So I'm kind of waiting well, for a, a Saturday. I have open to wake up early and get it done. I mean, I had a grand total of like 12 days off in a row, which is, Definitely the most time I've had off in a row all year. Um, and honestly, like outside of like two days, I was busy yeah, every day doing other stuff. Life, like it, man. It's it's nice to go out and enjoy myself and things. Like I got to see a lot of friends. I got to go to a couple of good breweries. I got to go eat some really good food and stuff like that. Like that stuff's always nice because you're just kind of left to your own devices. Uh, watched a bunch of movies and, and stuff like that. I, I finished the entire series of Power. Uh, that I started before the holidays, but I was able to get that done pretty quickly. So, like, I feel like I did a bunch of stuff, but I, of course, still have a billion more things to do uh, and more work on the horizon. So that's always not fun. But, you know, what can you do? It's the nature of the beast. I mean, it's been really nice to, to have some time off during the holidays and stuff like that to really in, attempt to enjoy the holidays, which I did. Uh, but it's, yeah, getting back to the swing of things is never fun or easy. So I'm not uh, looking forward to that at all. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a step ahead of you as as we record. I, I work today. You had one day off. So you'll be in my boat tomorrow, right right behind me, joining me in the grind. But uh, but yeah, it, it wasn't too bad for me. I can't complain because my, my business, what I do, I, I, I kind of have to build up my 
you know, workload to, to get really busy and stressful. So that takes some time. So not nothing to complain about, but it still wasn't easy, you know, waking up in the dark, getting the kids ready for school. You know, like you said, after, you know, my, my kids have been off uh, again with it falling on Monday, Christmas, it, it gave people, I think, an extended uh, break for, for schools and stuff. Cause my wife, who's a Pittsburgh public school teacher, she was even shocked. She was off today. She didn't even understand why she's like, yeah, they gave us this extra Tuesday. Typically in years past, we'd be going, but for whatever reason, we, we, you know, it was new year's day on Monday we got off and they, they had off today. My, my kids actually went to school. So I think it, I guess it's different for everybody, but, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of time off can do that where you uh, take a little bit of time to get over the hump of getting back into the swing of things. Absolutely. So might as well bring this up to Jay because I want to get some opinions here uh, from you. Uh, but the past weekend uh, before New Year's and everything, uh, there was an AEW pay-per-view, of course. Uh, I'm talking about World's End. It was on December 30th from Uniondale, New York. Uh, and uh, we didn't really do a preview or anything because we've been off since you know the, the season finale last year. But uh, in the main event, I guess we could just run through this. Uh, Samoa Joe defeated MJF by submission for the AEW World Championship in 17 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, I, neither one of us watched this pay-per-view. I mean, I know I didn't. I don't think you did. Nah. Um, but uh, just general thoughts and stuff. And, of course, they uh, showed that the devil uh, that's been running on AEW programming the last few months and a gimmick uh, that they've been doing with MJF was Adam Cole. And, of course, uh, you know the rest of the members of the kingdom as well as Wardlow. Uh, just wanted to get thoughts on that. And of course, Samoa Joe went in the belt. Yeah. So my, my thoughts are this, they pretty much had to, I don't know if it was an audible or how much time that Tony Khan and the AEW creative had to put this together and, and book everything for world's end. But I can only talk for what I do know and what I'm seeing and the results and everything. So I don't know if they had to call any audibles or, or whatnot. And I don't know how serious, the injuries involved are or anything, but obviously I think it's to the point where MJF is injured enough that he needs some time off. So that kind of created the booking that that is. And and I think us as wrestling fans understand that head in comparison to maybe some younger fans and social media wrestling fans that are involved in the team AEW and team WWE wars and things like that, that, they might be saying that the booking was was off and why are they giving Samoa Joe? I, I could kind of see the business and behind the scenes side of things on why they would do that. Is Samoa Joe the, the best candidate to be carrying the AEW World Heavyweight Championship right now? Probably not. But again, in the situation it was, I don't mind giving Joe one last run. You know, he, he's not the, the Joe of his prime, but he's still intimidating. He's still a good enough character. He can still work a style that is sufficient enough in ring. So I, I could see why they did what they did. And then as far as everybody criticizing the choice on the devil being Adam Cole, I don't don't know what else anybody expected. I, I Again, it's just where I'm at as a wrestling fan after watching all these years. I think people just have too high expectations and they're, they're thinking like, I, you know, I don't know what they want. They want Bret Hart to come back or something. It's like this, this is the most logical thing. They, they basically yeah. were, were building a story for almost a year. Yeah. I thought that, that I, I'm not as big on Joe winning the belt, but like, I don't have a problem with the devil stuff. I mean, I thought that Adam Cole being the devil was likely, like you said, um, I like that Wardlow's with him. I think that that makes sense. I kind of like the fact, and I think I talked to you about this off air a while ago, but it's an interesting 
uh, dichotomy to kind of see a character like MJF go from the biggest heel in the company to a baby face. And in the process of doing that, they're literally making him pay for all of his mistakes as a, as a heel. Like, guys are treating him like an asshole. Like, people don't trust him. Like, it's that's one of the more interesting storylines I've seen in AEW this year. Um, so, like, I like the devil stuff. I'm just... I guess I'm not huge on the Joe thing, but I'm also kind of willing and able to give them time to kind of see where they're going with it. Maybe they have an idea. Maybe Joe's just going to transition into somebody else beating him fairly soon for the belt. So you have that. I just don't want to see, you know, like the typical like Moxley fights Joe and ends up with the belt again or something like that. But that's just where I'm at with it. I'm willing to give it time to kind of see what they do with it. Maybe they do have a better idea or something cool they want to do with it. And I'm going to like the direction it goes once they do that. Good call on that because I was going to use the same word. So good segue, but that's exactly what it is. It's a transitional champion to kind of see what the layout's going to be in the near future of WWE or excuse me, AEW's events, you know, building up the next big pay-per-view. And, and I'm with you. I definitely don't feel that Tony Khan needs to hot shot this off of Samoa Joe. If the injury for MJF kind of came at an inopportune time and he kind of had to make some audibles like, like we were discussing. But I, I think now that the belt's on him, I'm not saying give Joe a year run by any means, but give him at least a title defense or so and, and kind of see how you want to lay things out for the, the near future at AEW. But as we've been saying, it's, it's just another show that I think was what's been a typical AEW pay-per-view event where there's sufficient enough matches, nothing crazy. You're getting no five-star, uh, you know, and you, match of the year candidates by any means. But from what I heard from, from most of the people I respect with the review, it was a, a decent enough show. Um, it's something I personally can say talking out loud that I'm happy I didn't pay for 60 bucks, Same. you know, yeah. but it was sufficient enough uh, to get some, some solid matches in. And, and, and like I'm saying, the, the main event was what it was. I, I it, it's nothing that's like, shocking to me like this this booking is pretty typical on where they were at for for the main event picture and speaking of spending 60 bucks for the show uh the, here's one thing that actually would have made me want to spend money on the show and of course i'm talking about eddie kingston defeating john moxley by pinfall at 17 minutes and 20 seconds uh in the championship final of the continental classic for the inaugural american triple crown championship which includes the Ring of Honor World Championship, the New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Openweight Championship, and the inaugural AEW Continental Championship. So I like that they're doing that. They're giving Eddie Kingston the Triple Crown, obviously associating with uh, the old All Japan Triple Crown, uh, which was held by guys like Masawa Kabashi, Kawada, Tawe, guys that Eddie Kingston really looked up to and patterned a lot of his stuff after in his career. Uh, and as we talk about here on the program a lot, uh, we're both big Eddie Kingston fans. Uh, he's a good dude. Really happy to see this for him. And obviously him and Moxley being friends in real life played into this because Moxley did the job for him, which I also thought was really cool. So it's nice to see Eddie getting some shine because to me too, the J, out of all the people in AEW, I think Eddie Kingston is one of the, the most fun guys to root for, to follow. Uh, when he's in the mix, I generally like to watch the product more because I like Eddie and I want to see him on TV as much as possible. I'll tell you this perspective to kind of break it down. I was watching, like you were mentioning, hey, over the break, you're kind of getting all these different watches in. You have 
varying times of, of free time that's that's atypical for your regular week. So I'm like chipping away at keeping caught up with some wrestling, different things. And my wife walks in during one of the tournament matches that Eddie Kingston's in. And she never really caught Eddie Kingston before. Okay. So she's kind of like taking in the match, just coming in the room, doing some stuff as I'm watching this and it catches her attention. I think she was doing something that she's paying a little bit of attention to the, the match Eddie Kingston's in at the time. Long and the short of it is like the match is over and he's like running around and she's like, who the hell is this guy? Like he's fat. He looks like a bum. I'm like, yeah, that's what they call him. The king of the bums. That's his gimmick. And and I basically explained it to her because, you know, she knows her, her wrestling history enough through me that I'm like, this is like the modern AEW version of Mick Foley. That's what Eddie Kingston yeah. is. And, and it's yep. like we talk about in wrestling. You have to have all these varied characters that's what's cool about it yep you have the big super heavyweights you have the luchadors you have the high flyers you have the technical guys you have the john moxley uh hardcore guys you know again that's what's cool is the variety that's what eddie kingston is to your point he's that underdog bum dude that looks like a goof but he just fights wars and he's entertaining that's it the mick foley is a good comparison to that because it's like the guy that's been around forever, the guy that a lot of people really like, uh, the guy that never really got his due, and now he's on the come up. Like, I think Eddie's a guy who legitimately could win the AEW world title if they wanted him to. Like, they can actually make that work, and it would be good. Exactly. Um, and Eddie's really good on the mic. He's really uh, – he can make himself a compelling character. Uh, his biggest problem is just lack of consistency on TV, and that's not his fault. Um, so hopefully that's something we're going to get more of in 2024 because I like Eddie and I think this is a good, a good starting point for the year for him, for sure. Uh, just a a huge pedestal that, that I think he, he deserves. Like you said, Hey, Eddie's a long time independent veteran and stuff and just respects the business so much. He was just like us tape trader, big time, hardcore fan that fell in love with the, the Japanese era that we did. You know, yep. so uh, that's what's cool with seeing him. Because I, I know a lot of personal uh, Eddie haters, and and I could see both sides. I always do, but for me, you know, again, it just brings something different. Like if I want to watch a commander match, and I'm in the mood for high flying, that suffices. That you know, yeah. In, in a Kingston match, again, it's just going to be a brawl. Like you know, I, I could shout out Mark Madden just because he's a known person and as one of the haters. You know, is always getting on him. Like the the whole. It goes back to like the Vince and Bill Watts barroom theory kind of stuff of wrestlers. It, but we're not in 1988 anymore, you know. It, and plus, it's like Eddie would Eddie would beat the shit out of a lot of legitimate dudes. Like, well, that's my point. I mean, Just because he's like fat, and sloppy again, that goes in with his gimmick, and that's a comparison <laughs> to Foley. Gotta love Mark Madden of all people well, pointing that out—the biggest sloppy fat fuck that ever been a fat fuck. So that's <laughs> yeah. that's wonderful. But yeah, I, I mean, was happy for you know, Eddie. Is the is the bottom line? That was a, a, a you know again a huge pedestal to have. Now he has three big belts. Yeah, which is great for him and great for us as fans of Eddie too. Because I'm going to want to see what they do with it. Uh, now, forgive me for this because this is going to take a little bit of time for me to explain to everybody. And I was so confused when I first saw this stuff, not knowing everything that was going on. But bear with me. So in the pre-show. They had a uh, 20-man battle royal for a future AEW TNT championship match. And in 13 minutes and 50 seconds, by last eliminating Trent Beretta, Killswitch won. Uh, If you're not aware, Killswitch is formerly known as Luchasaurus uh, now that he's healed. So he was a former TNT champion, 
who had Christian Cage basically just take the belt from him. They never lost in the match. Uh, they let that ride, and now Killswitch won the Battle Royal. Now he has a shot I, at that title. Just while we're here, I have an issue with that. I, you know, I don't. Well, I'm typically not a big stickler for modern kayfabe again because I, I get it, but to to me, just the believability and stuff for him to have the belt taken from him the way he was, but then for them to have a battle royal to earn a shot and have him win it. I just, I don't know. I don't like well, that. I don't personally like that booking. You're, you're going to hate it even more. So oh, here we go. we go. That leads us to later in the show. And of course, I'm talking about Adam Copeland defeated Christian Cage for the AEW TNT Championship in a no disqualification match in 25 minutes. Uh, so obviously, Adam Cage, went, or Adam Cage, Adam Copeland wins that match uh, and is now the TNT Championship. Then immediately after the match, uh, there was another singles match for the AEW TNT Championship because Christian Cage immediately invoked the title shot earned earlier by Killswitch on the pre-show, and in 11 seconds, he defeated Adam Copeland by pinfall to win the title back. So I get what they're doing, and I, okay, here's the thing. Adam Copeland, formerly known as Edge, was a really big deal coming into AEW, and they set up this whole feud with Christian. Uh, they've done a pretty good job with it. It's created some of the more viral moments over the last six months in AEW, right? So this was the show where they were supposed to have their big match, which they did. And obviously, Adam Copeland wins that match and takes the TNT Championship away from, from Christian. Uh, and then they're trying to get Christian over the heel again here in the feud by having him do this and taking kill shots, uh, title shot. But then it kind of reverts back to what you were saying having a problem with Killswitch winning that title shot when he technically got the belt taken off him in the first place instead of losing it. And then they do this and have him take it again. Uh, which It's part of the gimmick and, and what the storyline, what they've been doing with these guys. And it's probably going to build up eventually to Killswitch fucking turning on him and becoming Luchasaurus again as a babyface. But weird way of running the angle. And I also think it's kind of weird too, like interjecting people like Nick Wayne and Nick Wayne's mom into this entire thing because you're you're kind of not giving people what they want, which is like one of the final matchups ever between Christian and Edge. Um, and you're invoking a bunch of people in the middle of it that it's not really helping them get over or get the storyline over. So it's like a lot of convoluted bullshit. <laughs> Again, flow of the show on the What's Roll podcast. I, you, you use the word I was going to use, which I personally use a lot in the description of Tony Khan's creative anymore in booking. And it's just this is the definition of just being overly convoluted. And, and as you mentioned, hey, we could sit here and break it down and, you know, you could kind of see what Tony Khan's thinking as far as putting this together and we don't have to like or agree with anything. I'm not going to be an internet troll type and just shit on it all. I'm just, it's just booking. That's not going to interest me the way this is. Yeah. And I think it helps Christian a lot to kind of further him as a heel character, yeah. but it really hurts Copeland because he looks like a dumbass, like repeatedly uh, when it comes to dealing with somebody that he's known forever. So like it's yeah, kind of psychology is off there for that. Yeah, it's not exactly where it needs to be. So uh, but yeah, like a lot of convoluted stuff. And that takes up a lot of time on the show. We're talking a third, like a 14 minute battle royal, 25 minute match. You know, that's a lot of time on a full show devoted to one storyline. 
compared to all the other stuff that they have going on at the same time too. And, f- and through it all, Christian still has the TNT championship. Indeed he does. So uh, speaking of championships, we also had a house rules match for the AEW TBS championship uh, where Julia Hart defeated Abaddon by pinfall, not really surprising in about 11 minutes and 35 seconds. And Abaddon's stipulation in this match was biting is legal. Um, I get this is just a placeholder match to get Julia Hart another win without having her go over major talent. Although I think Abaddon's kind of cool and it would be cool to have her on more of their TV because she's an interesting character and she's pretty decent in the ring. Um, but it's really nothing more than just like kind of a placeholder title defense. Right. Yeah, this is this is what we expect. The TBS championship obviously is the quote unquote intercontinental of the women's division for AEW. You know, it's kind of given it the to lower the, level belt. Yeah, giving it to see who who could do what with uh, a title and you know, maybe coming up to the women's main event picture, which as we keep stating too, just while we're at it is a complete mess still in AEW yep. for the most part. And this adds to it all there. Like you said, it's not a bad match, but I, I go back to the old glory that, that you go to on pay-per-views head, especially the AEW ones that are that differ from WWE being on Peacock it is a you know $70 pay-per-view and you're having a, a T you know, it's a TBS championship talking out loud. So it makes yeah. sense, but it's a complete TV match on a pay-per-view, you know. Yep, no doubt about that. Also, we had an eight-man tag team match with uh, some interesting goings-on before the match ever happened. And in 15 minutes and 40 seconds, we saw Les Sex Gods, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, Sting and Darby Allen defeated Ricky Starks, Big Bill, and Don Callis family members, uh, Takeshkina and Powerhouse Hobbs by pinfall. Um, of course, this match was overshadowed by a lot of the stuff that went on on the internet, where it kind of came out that uh, Chris Jericho had uh, former AEW female wrestler Kylie Ray sign an NDA associating from something that happened between the two, uh, which led to her eventually just quitting the business altogether and later returning to other companies and stuff like that. But her career got massively derailed from this, uh, got a really bad reaction from the crowd who was chanting things like CM Punk at Jericho, who kind of got into a spat with uh, CM Punk's lawyer over the weekend on Twitter, and also uh, chance of Kylie Ray and NDA with loud moments of booing. And frankly, it just overshadowed the match and a lot of this pay-per-view to begin with, which is incredibly unfortunate. Regardless if it's true or not or otherwise, I'm not one to say. I'm not getting into all the details with that kind of stuff either. But um, yeah, it definitely led to a really awkward environment for the pay-per-view. And in the end of it all, lay sex gods are changing their name to the Hex Hogs. Yes, they have to change. They got to change it up. Now they're going to be... They're going to be like wizards that are dressed up like pigs. Which might be a better gimmick than many of that we've seen in the history of professional wrestling, unfortunately. But yeah, that it's was true. definitely the the story here. It was overshadowed of, of what seemed to be an entertaining enough match. But that, that was one of those things that we said about the pay-per-view as well. You know, Not even on the podcast, but just talking about it. And any of us or, or even some of our, our you know, friends that are still in the wrestling possibly getting it or catching it was the fact that they have two eight-man tags on a pay-per-view. It's over. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's just... Talk about squeezing guys on a show. Yeah, it's the state of AEW right now. And, and again, we we must stay on the show. We're hoping for its its survival and, and turn for the better. But, you know, calling a spade a spade as we do on the What's Real podcast, AEW still just as best can be described as all over the fucking place. All over the place wrestling, yeah. if you will. 
Um, this is it speaks right into that as well. Um, so originally scheduled for the pay-per-view was Swerve Strickland taking on former tag team partner Keith Lee in a singles match. Then immediately it was uh, announced over the weekend that Keith Lee would be injured and not cleared for the match. So they would need to get a replacement. And of course, in nine, nine and a half minutes, we saw Swerve Strickland defeated Dustin Rhodes by pinfall. And Dustin Rhodes is also Keith Lee's tag team partner, and I believe Ring of Honor too. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of a throwaway of a match that had some history that kind of felt like just an add-on match. And then to have that not be able to happen to this, eh, whatever. <laughs> this is the problem. This is the problem with AEW when you're just throwing things together. It's not going to get any sort of response. It's not going to get anybody emotionally invested. And yep. Swerve's on fire right now. Why throw him yeah, it's in not a makeshift the, it's match? Not, it is not the time to do that. With right. Swerve. Like, I, I get it. It's completely. Dustin. Like, oh, it's a it's a good old pro. Like, they'll put together a good match. We need it on the show. It's like, like we always say, man, I know people want to get on the card. I know people need money. I, I don't run a wrestling company. We're just breaking it down on the What's Real podcast. But I just don't see why there's not a way to push this match to like TV and just give one of the bigger matches on the show some more time or something. Like, I just don't. Know. I mean. Or just cancel the, the match hoarding. completely. And then basically what I would have did is like, all right, we're going to have Swerve attack Eddie Kingston or John Moxley after that match or something because we took his match off the show. We're going to build to something bigger with him. Like, it, it would just make sense to do that. But uh, whatever. You know, they're they're not the best at booking. and We're really going to get into some of that stuff coming up here. Uh, we also had the AEW Women's World Championship match as Timeless Tony Storm defeated Rio by pinfall in 11 minutes and 40 seconds. Again, another women's match. It felt like just like another placeholder title defense for Tony. And the, the women's division barely feels like a division at this point. And we're getting new people involved, and it's still not working out because they don't have things working congruently on the shows. Where like women need to have matches on television that are just consequential matches, like to get somebody a win and things like that to build people up. Like you have a division, like you have like you felt the need to fit something like Swerve and Dustin Rhodes on this pay per view, uh, and in nine minutes and thirty seconds compared to like two 11, 12 minute matches, like the, it just doesn't make sense. The that's, real that's estate what you're saying. giving the women, right? Because like you said, so, it's hard for anybody to get over in, in nine minutes, let alone. A division's main championship. Yeah. And it's and it's run earlier on the show. So like there's no hierarchy to the women's titles. Like And again, you're talking about a, bigger. a decently hot character with Tony Storm's timeless yep. character and everything too. So you're not really giving her much to work with. And it shows you too, like two of their best built women characters right now are Tony Storm and Julia Hart. And they happen to be the two champions. They're they're really terrible. It building up people underneath to come up and challenge. That's the and problem. You have to have And it's contenders. all rushed together bullshit, too. Like, Ruby, they have her in that program where she's, like, getting courted by the one fucking dude from the Jericho Appreciation Society. And I'm like, what's that do for the women's division? It's like, is she just going to manage him or something? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, isn't she a lesbian? Of that kind of stuff. I don't I have no idea. I don't think so, but maybe. I don't. Whatever. Meet her and hit but on her. Hey, Ed, and let me know. I'll pass. It's not going to happen anyway. But uh, also, and this is like this another thrown together match on the show. I mean, I know they've been working on some of the angles and stuff for TV, but they're very much forgettable. 
Uh, and it's literally like it feels like a who should go back to WWE faster match <laughs> yeah. uh, where we had uh, Miro defeated Andrade El Idolo by submission in 14 minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, sounds like a good match, but like, again, the booking has been so inconsistent with both of these guys that like I wouldn't be surprised if they're both in WWE before the end of next year or whatever they can. Yeah, that's that's how it seems. I mean, this again, it's just these makeshift kind of little mini feuds that are all over AEW and just nothing compelling whatsoever. And just throwing CJ out there and teasing that. Now they're overdoing that because th- there's still no closure as far as that. Th- they still end it with like whose side is CJ Perry on? Yep. It's stupid. It's the it, it's like an angle. If you're not, if you're already do another company, right? If you're not right. going to pay off a mini mid card feud at, on a pay per view, like what are you even doing it for? Like I get it, you have TV, but you have a huge roster, tons of of other creative options you can do. Just freaking put closure on this this goddamn thing. Yeah, please already. Uh, and as you mentioned, another eight-man tag. We saw the Blackpool Combat Club team of Claudio Castagnoli and Brian Danielson team with Mark Briscoe and Daniel Garcia as they defeated Brody King, Jay White, Jay Lethal, and Roosh by pinfall. It's 17 minutes and 50 seconds. And please explain explain to me why this makes any sense. The Blackpool Combat Club with multiple members has two guys in this match. They fit in Mark Briscoe, who's been primarily a Ring of Honor guy until the Continental Classic. And then Daniel Garcia, a guy who is floating off in space now, who was a part of the Jericho Appreciation Society, who was feuding with the Blackpool Combat Club for months last year. And they're defeating the team of Jay White, who is part of uh, Bullet Club, the Bang Bang Gang version. Jay Lethal, who was in the group with, you know, Jarrett and fucking all those dudes. Uh, Roosh, who has nothing to do with any of these guys, and Brody King, who is part of the House of Black. And I also heard that Malachi Black has asked for his release and received it. Um, like this, nothing about this eight man makes any sense. I'm sure it was an entertaining enough match because a lot of these guys are good. But like, what the fuck was this? It's like a house show situation or something, you know? Yeah. Like, or like an indie card, kind of like super eight man. Or yeah. Something they I, tried to do. I don't know. And, and and again, these are just all very good examples uh, of how, when we break down AEW week to week, where it is, how we see it as an overall company, this, this latest pay-per-view is a great example of, of things like this, you know, like you're breaking yep. down, it's completely thrown together. I mean, every, everything we're trying to break down here has pretty much been thrown together. And then you add in the main event picture that has actually had a blueprint and is built up dealing with MJF's real life injury and throwing a wrench in that. Because now, you know, now, now you have the reveal of uh, Adam Cole as the devil, his new group, Wardlow involved, and MJF's on the shelf. Yeah. So and talk counts. about and, and somebody that doesn't seem like they can really improv solid creativity right now. I don't know what the hell Tony Tony Cott's going to come up with with MJ, you know, depending on how long MJF's out with Adam Cole and stuff. So, you know, and then like you said, Samoa Joe now having the, the main belt. I mean, what can you say, man? It's AEW still still in a mess as we kick off the What's Real podcast in 2024 in Season 5. And just a couple more notes because the, the booking gets even more perplexing on the pre-show. Uh, we saw Hook defeat Wheeler Yuta by submission in 10 minutes and 20 seconds in an FTW rules match for the FTW championship. 
And basically, this is a belt that Hook has had for forever. It's not really a sanctioned title in AEW. Uh, and he beats Wheeler Yuta, a guy who they spent the better part of a year trying to push as part of the Blackpool Combat Club. So, like, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense for these two to be wrestling each other other than the fact that it might be a fun little match. It's These are two guys that should never be facing off with each other at this mark because both of, the, both of these guys should be pushed or at least... You know, you've put enough time and effort in between Wheeler, so, like, you don't want him losing matches like this. And Hook is, like, his own thing. So he shouldn't be fighting guys like this. It's a poorly booked match to begin with. You're right about the the whole situation, Hey Ed, when, when you mention, you know, not only how convoluted everything is, but talking about the, the eight-man we were discussing uh, right before this match uh, about it being kind of like an indie-centric situation. Yeah, that, that is kind of what this card seems when you're breaking down the FTW championship and hook and Wheeler match. It's like I, I, you, you made me think of that when you said Tony Khan might be thinking this is just going to be a good match. Like it's a it will be a good match. It seems like that's everything yep. like, oh, well, none of this makes sense, but at least it will be good in ring. And it's like and you dude, can't do that is, in pro wrestling. And I can't believe I'm complaining about this, but this is a match that if you are going to book it and have it, you don't have there be a clean finish. Right. That's the point. Like, you have the Blackpool Combat Club come in and beat the shit out of them, or somebody gets knocked out, or so, like something like that. You don't just have a submission. It's, it's weird to do that. And then we were talking about the booking of the women's division. How weird is this? 13 minutes and 25 seconds, which is just as long, if not longer, than both of the title matches on the pay-per-view, we saw Willow Nightingale defeat Chris Statlander by pinfall. A good match that probably should have been on the main card, but wasn't. Yeah, again, he just, it seems like he, he's dealing with a lot of behind the scenes stuff and not able to focus on really the storyline. So I don't know what kind of help he's able to get. But I, again, this pay per view is like everything we're breaking down here is really saying to me that, that they, they need a lot of help with creative right now. Because th- then there was like a denotation that Serena Deeb's return was announced via a yes. tape vignette. And it's just like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it's like that's what you're setting up as a big return. Right, right. Like, yeah. Like, all due respect, I but damn. I mean, dude, and I'm, I'm not basing this because I obviously we didn't see the pay-per-view, but I'm just talking about what we're reading and what we're seeing and everything. This has to be up there, the Jay, with one of their worst pay-per-view efforts ever. And I'm not saying the guys put on a good effort or anything like that. I'm just talking about the overall show that we saw compared to other previous you know AEW pay-per-views from years past like for a while they were on fucking fire and this just is something that I'm kind of glad I didn't even waste my time watching that's what let sad. alone pay for you, you know you want to you want to have one of those situations as a wrestling fan uh, maybe you do or you don't you know depending on how you look at it but if you come out of this and you're like damn I can't believe we missed that you know yeah and it's, that's and what it's, you want it's kind of sad when when it's like yeah I didn't plop down the 70 and I'm very happy I did it because Yes. This thing just kind of was thrown together and kind of came and went. A lot of people online, which they always do, but nonetheless, you know, a lot of criticism from this overall show. And then you add in all the real life drama that, you know, Tony Khan, we keep saying, hey, Ed, you wanted to run a wrestling company. <laughs> just yeah. So you wanted to be a wrestling promoter. It's right? the circus, man. You know, you got your one of your original guys, your first legitimate mass media appeal name in Chris Jericho. Uh, somebody that I heard on podcast speak about Vince McMahon in, in the same scenario. Yeah. And, 
you know, it's, it's kind of sad. And like you said, I'm not, I, I've only heard what you've told me. Uh, I haven't yeah. even really been able to look onto into it online. So uh, I'm not going to speak on it, but just going off of the initial reports is what we're doing. And, and from that, it's just, you know, what, what, what better way can you put it? Hey, this is just a, it's just a mess right now. It's unfortunate to, to have something like this kind of overshadow an entire pay-per-view on top of it not being their strongest show, on top of their champion being hurt and having to take the belt off them, on top of, you know, Keith Lee not being able to make it and them, them have to put in a, a random match on that doesn't really help swerve a lot either, who's been one of the bright spots of their show in the last six months. Um, you know, other than like the Eddie Kingston thing, man, there's not a whole lot on the show that I really would have cared about otherwise. No, I would have been interested to see what happened in the main event, but I would have assumed the Same. match wasn't going to be, you know, again, I just keep going back to it. Samoa Joe's at the end of his career, you know, Samoa Joe in his yeah. prime is a, a different person than, than he is now. It's just it's nature of the beast. And dude, and, and, where and, we're at. And, I, and I like MJF and what he does in the ring, but he's not. Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, like he's not right. like he's not going to pull incredible, mind blowing matches out of guys that are you know past their prime. Right? I mean, it's just not going to happen. Um, so yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. Obviously, you know, we're pulling for AEW. We're not rooting against them, but it's uh, you know you'd like to see hopefully them be able to go up from here because uh, they have at least a couple months before they have to run another paper. Yeah, because the other interesting thing, one of the big things that they've been doing for their television for the last couple of months is the dual tournaments and that's going to be you know that's concluded so that's going to be off their yeah. tv so we're seeing a convoluted mess with tony's creative now when he had a tournament covering a lot of uh, ground for a good period of time now he's going back to the drawing board so it, well it's- and dude my understanding too is the uh the tournament that they had going on did really do well with ratings and stuff like Tony is really happy about what they were able to accomplish with that. And plus we're going into something that we talked about previously on the show. We're leaning into a year where WWE raw might be going to a different network and that could potentially affect where AEW seen moving forward. And if they don't have, I mean, it's the same problem WCW had many years ago. If they don't, if they can't stay on with TNT or TBS, where do they go? Um, and there's not a lot of whole, you know, not a lot of good networks out there for them. Um, you know, if they they could be on USA, but WWE's on there, so that might not be uh, feasible at this point. And of course, you know, they they can go to other channels where they won't have the amount of visibility that they do now with being in the Turner Networks. So it it could end up being a really bad year for AEW if certain things break a certain way. Yeah, it's it's again, it's an interesting time due to all these. Uh, big contracts coming up because it, it runs parallel AEW situation that you just broke down, hey Ed, with WWE's and finding a home, a near future home for Raw. So that's that's going to be huge. Do you, do you know that's what I was just kind of, I was using our sponsor, the interwebs, to kind of look up. The, did you hear anything on when, what time frame all these uh, contracts are up and things like that? Is it like not, first quarter, second quarter? Uh, not a hundred percent sure okay. on that. It might not even be until next year, but it's coming sooner than later. Yeah, I mean it's it's a huge deal. So yeah, they do it well ahead of time. So I, I figured it might be down the road, but nonetheless, the bottom line through all of this is AEW and Tony Khan, due to running the company, uh, definitely a lot of things he has to figure out if if he wants to keep AEW um, having the momentum that they've had in in the prime of their momentum. 
And just two quick things I wanted to mention wrestling-wise before we take our first commercial break. Uh, there was a lot of rumors that uh, former Sasha Banks uh, was going to go into AEW, and then it looked like she wasn't. She was potentially going back to WWE. And then I've heard the talks have stalled out with her, and there looks to be potential of her going to be in AEW again. Um, but I don't know if you heard any of this or not. She apparently is looking to be paid very handsomely by wherever she goes. And I mean, she wanted to be the highest paid woman of all time. Uh, if she went back to WWE, that's what kind of stalled the talks out there. Um, but I've heard still possibility of her coming back, coming in. Um, I heard a lot of people mention that her situation is very similar to the CM Punk situation where it didn't look like she was coming in, but she might end up coming in. So, but it looks like regardless of where Sasha goes, she's probably going to be paid very well uh, moving forward. We were talking about that as well. I think on our season finale of what's real where she was sitting in the audience at the big Wembley show this summer yep. and then the talks kind of dissipated, but yeah, now there's rumors because uh, it doesn't seem like WWE wants to pay her the, the sum she's being a stickler for, which you can't blame her on, on what she wants to do. And, and Tony has deep pockets. That's another thing too. Very much and, so. And it's the timings there because as we're breaking down the, the women's division is a mess and you would think that Sasha, uh, would would put some sort of you know especially with negotiations would put some sort of a creative slant on it you know I'm not saying that she'll do the Hulk Hogan of 2002 you know and have creative control written in her contract or anything but uh, you know I'm sure she wants to to be used right and be able to have some creative flexibility. And speaking of WWE, it seems that The Rock is going to be coming back as he came back on Monday Night Raw on day one, uh, the January 1st episode of Monday Night Raw. And it looks like he is going to be facing off with Roman Reigns because that's what they alluded to. It's the big thing that they've been building up for now for several years. Um, and I would assume that that means at WrestleMania. But then you also have to wonder, too, will The Rock need to win the Royal Rumble to do that? Because it's just not a cakewalk to go into Mania and face the champion. Uh, you kind of got to do things to do that. So... How are they going to handle all that? And will it actually happen is kind of the question as well. Um, I think it's interesting. It's one of the more interesting things, too. We've been kind of waiting for this for years to be able to be pulled off, and it looks like they are going to do it this year. Um, so it does make the Mania season and, of course, Rumble season a little bit more interesting, at least for somebody like me um, who can kind of take or leave it a lot of times. But I've said many times before on the show, the Jay, and you know this about me, too, the Rumble is usually my favorite time of year with WWE. So... I'm kind of looking forward to see what, what kind of, you know, unfolds from all that, too. For sure, man. We'll be looking forward to that. Definitely covering the Rumble uh, coming later this month uh, as we start Season 5 of the What's Real podcast. And, and yeah, he came down last night on Raw during a Jinder Mahal promo. Uh, just interrupted it with his music and you know did a little physicality with with gender and taking him out with the people's elbow and things like that uh, but yeah like you said it's something we've been waiting for uh, we we were uh, making predictions at wrestlemania 39 last year's wrestlemania leading up to it probably uh this time last year that that the rock uh, was going to be at wrestlemania 39 which didn't happen so here it is a year later where it seemed like it lined up and that's the thing man wrestlemania 40 on paper right now has potential to be one of the most stacked cards of all time on yeah. paper. You know, you're, you're talking yep. punk Rollins. A two-night show, too. Yeah, punk Rollins and The Rock and Roman and Cody and everything. And, and it's one of those things I hope they don't shoehorn a triple threat 
with Cody and the Rock. Yeah, and Roman. please don't do that this year. There's, there's things they can still they fuck won't. it up <laughs> because because Trips doesn't generally seem to do that. And also, I don't know if you saw this news. I was gonna because th- to me, I know on paper people won't understand this, but you will, the Jay. Did you see who's fucking retiring and is gone from the wrestling industry? From WWE? No, I didn't catch it. We always said there was two people we needed to get out of here. Get Vince out of here first. Oh, then, let me guess. Uh, the producer idiot. Kevin, Kevin Dunn, Dunn. I couldn't think of I was brain farting. Oh, my God. Wow, this it is, it is a mark- true new WWE. Yeah, it really is. It's the end of an era with, uh, you know, Kevin Dunn's been pretty much on the production team since WrestleMania began. So it's a huge thing. It's good, I believe, because I don't like Kevin Dunn's television production. I don't hate everything, but the constant zooming and camera movements and cutting is what absolutely kills me with him. And he's gotten ridiculous with it over the years. Um, But he's also responsible, too, for a lot of good moments and good things like the, you know, Shawn Michaels coming down out of the rafters, like the the big shot of him, like that's Kevin Dunn. So it's not all bad, but uh, plenty time for him to move on already. Uh, I think you'd probably agree with that as well, the Jay. Oh, yeah, man. You're talking about almost a 50-year career. You know, you're talking about him starting in 85, being around way back at WrestleMania 1, and we're talking about WrestleMania 40 you know, 40 year run. So uh, you can't feel bad for him. He, he did what he did, but it's, it's just cool to see changes uh, abound in the machine. Cause like, like we say the, the corporate pro wrestling term, we always throw around. I think that's one of the issues where being that it's a machine, sometimes they can sit on their laurels and just kind of go through the motions. So you're hoping that maybe the replacement of some of these people that have been around for so long will bring in some fresh blood that wants to shake things up in, you know, even in little detailed ways, like you were talking about with the TV production and things, it, it all helps. Yeah, I, I would hope so. And I hope that we see some improved changing in WWE programming with their production and stuff like that as well uh, as time moves on. But obviously time will tell with that, but we are up against our very first commercial break here of the new season. And when we come back, it is all things NFL. Of course, we're going to be talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to be making predictions for week 18. Uh, We're going to do the, uh, you know, next to last uh, power rankings for the NFL for the season here on the What's Real podcast as well. So hang on. We'll be back right after this right here on What's Real podcast. Join us next week for episode 190 of the What's Real podcast. The NFL regular season comes to a close with the regular season power rankings finale, Steelers versus Raven talk, and playoff predictions. Also, it's the debut of What's Real Culture, a brand new look into some different things for the show. First up, the story behind Aiden Full, the movie. Hi, this is Timothy James with the What's Real Podcast, representing Goose or Goose. That's right, for those that always listen, my contract is sealed for season five, baby. So I'm as horny as a Viking wearing a Viking helmet riding in on a Strasseratops. I'm representing Goose or Goose all year, and the guys are going to kick things off really good this week. I just know it. I haven't heard it yet, but I can't wait. And they're going to do it again next week with episode 190, all kinds of hilarious stuff. I'm giggling as it is because I'm riding all the way into season six, baby. Get out of oh, here. God, we're going to have to deal with this all year. Kick him right in the face. Anyway, all that and much more next week on episode 190 of the What's Real Podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Herman James with the What's Real Podcast. 
finally giving me something to do here. It's been a while since I talked to you guys, but I'm actually helping them out doing an advertisement for advertisers. That's right. If you would like to advertise here on the What's Real podcast and join the team, just shoot us an email today. We got cheap, easy, and affordable rates, and we could hook you up with some kick-ass advertisements. Just hit us up at Gmail. It's at whatsrealpod at gmail.com. That's whatsrealpod at gmail.com. Join the team with me, my brother Timothy James, the wizard behind the boards, Cam, the J, and Hey Ed. It's the What's Real team for some advertisers. Hit us up, whatsrealpod at gmail.com today. And we're back, and it is time for Season 5's premiere of the NFL coverage, which we do starting off each and every week by talking about what our hometown Pittsburgh Steelers are doing and have done. And, of course, I'm talking about a big win this past weekend, 30-23 to over the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. And as we do here on the show, we do the good, the bad, and the ugly, the Jay. Let's start us off in the good this week. And this is kind of a collective over the last few weeks here that we didn't cover on the show. But I'm going to go with Mason Rudolph. Uh, looks like we actually have an NFL quarterback in there uh, that can throw the ball around. And uh, we've seen some vast improvements uh, in our offense since then, especially with points per game. George Pickens looks like the receiver that uh, we knew he could be. Uh, even Najee Harris chipped in this week with a really good running game, as did Jalen Warren. And the Steelers did overall great running the football. But first and foremost, Mason Rudolph. Yeah, you got to, man. Uh Offensive production this week was huge. Albeit, we could fully admit the Seahawks defense, not the worst in the league, but man, were they terrible at tackling. Yeah. I mean, they were really even talking bad. about it on the broadcast. So it's nothing to necessarily write home about, but of course, we'll take it. But yeah, I'm right behind you. Hey, Ed, uh, we'll kind of mesh each other's uh, beginning uh, goods here because you mentioned Rudolph and then you mentioned Harris and Jalen. So I'll go with. Najee Harris and Jalen Warren with the running game and add in the O-line run blocking because as a whole, you know, we got over 100 yards from Najee. I think over 200 total scrimmage yards in in the the rushing game. That goes to the O-line too. So that was just wonderful to see. Wonderful. Yeah, we had uh, Najee had 27 attempts for 122 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Warren had 13 attempts for 75 yards and a touchdown. So the running game was definitely over 200. Yeah, all cylinders there. Um, Also want to put in the good uh, George Pickens, seven receptions for 131 yards. Uh, And some circus catches too, man, dude. And and I'll give Deontay Johnson a little bit of credit. Four targets, four catches, 76 yards, no touchdowns. And that really beautiful catch, that overthrown ball he just stretched out for. Yep. So absolutely good there. So, yeah, the, the running game and, of course, the receivers played pretty well thanks to Mason Rudolph, too. Yeah, my, my next one in the good hate, you know, I'm going over to the defensive side of the ball. Man, we shouted out a few times this year, and that's a, an acquisition in the offseason, Nick Herbig. Uh, I, I like how the Steelers Depot put it. You talk about players who are just fun to watch. Herbig is near the top of the list, the Jalen Warren of the offense. And that's true, and he doesn't get a lot of uh, snaps, but he makes big plays whenever he's in there. So uh, that's definitely nice to see, so I would agree with you there. Um, I wanted to put another person in the good that's been here a lot this year. This is really an underrated performance from him. 
Chris Boswell, he was three for three on field goals and three for three on extra points. That's He accounted for 12 points himself in this game, so that's pretty damn good from a kicker. And again, dude's one of the most accurate kickers in NFL history, but he gets overshadowed by Justin Tucker because they play in the same division. Of course, but we'll take it because we know how important that is and you need a clutch kicker, so... Definitely worth a shout out. My last one was just throwing on an honorable mention for Shandon Sullivan. Uh, you know, quietly nice day, but he's aggressive. He's a good tackler, and he's able to separate player from football. So I, I put him on because him and safety Miles Killebrew have definitely stepped it up defensively. Yeah, and in the absence of uh, Patrick Peterson, and uh, why am I brain? Because yeah, because uh, yeah, Minka's out. So Minka Pat- Peterson moved the safety. And, uh, Which is yeah, Sullivan great coming. job by him as well. Yeah. So I, I totally agree and, there. And that's what is Minka coming back next week? Just thinking out loud. I don't know. Yeah. That I, I, was, don't I was just asking a couple people yesterday, and yeah, nobody was sure. And now we go into the bad. Uh, so the bad for me this week is pretty simple. It's just the defense just doesn't. I mean, I know the defense is depleted and stuff. They didn't play the best game here, giving up twenty three points. Uh, Geno Smith had 290 yards, and following into the defense there, the, the main name that I'll even say this week is, uh, of course, JPJ didn't have the best game, Joey Porter Jr. Uh, first time all year, I'll give him that, though. DK Metcalf had five attempts for 106 yards on him, um, but it, it wasn't the best coverage in this game. But, you know, that's okay. He's done very well for himself, so, like, one week like this, I'll chalk it up to a learning experience because DK Metcalf is not the easiest guy to cover. Yeah, I, I had one bad and one ugly hate yet, and uh, I'll just segue from you because my one uh, bad was JPJ. As you said, got a disclaimer the fact that he's had a great rookie year. He He's given the the toughest assignment. Mike Tomlin trusts him on the toughest receiver matchup. He steps matchups, up to them. He, he, he wants up. that matchup. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, But then he met a, a certain – receiver named DK Metcalf who you know sometimes he might not be the speedster that Tyreek Hill is and things like that but he's a a super beast of of a whole other animal and it just wasn't a good day at the office for Joey Porter Jr but um yeah it's a tough matchup so you can't get on him too much dude and I just want to throw another in the good I know I'm still behind on that I want Miles Jack straight off the uh, yeah, he practice a, squad. He Seven solo somebody. tackles. Like, dude played pretty well considering he hasn't had a lot of uh, a lot of football in his system this year. So good for him. Fuck yeah, off the couch. Can't beat it. Hate you up. Uh, you done with your bads? Ready for some uglies? Yeah. Yep. Let's get into the uglies, the Jay. All right. Th- this was one that, that was a stickler for me a lot with the Steeler D. Uh, so I, I dropped it down on the ugly because I, I noticed it in this game. And I was talking about the Seattle defense really standing out with bad tackling. But the Steelers run defense and, and tackling specifically when it came to Walker, who was the, yep. the Seahawks main running back. Uh, that stood out to me to to be thrown into the ugly. Uh, you know, it's not like the Seahawks possessed the ball a lot in this game. You know, because that kind of deflates their numbers. But when they did have the football, they were efficient and effective running. So you know, something I didn't want to see again because sometimes you know it's that inconsistency. Hey Ed, like sometimes it seems like the the run defense these days will we'll kind of buckle down and, and make the stops. But then there's a game like this where it scares me because I have that PTSD from the last couple seasons where that's been a glaring hole in the Steelers defense as far as specifically the run defense and tackling. So that was scary to see uh, as many missed tackles as there were on Walker. He's like juking and running past mugs. 
Well, and, and of course, too, he didn't have the biggest game, but he did have 53 yards rushing with a touchdown, but he only ran the ball 10 times. So that's, that's over five, yeah, carry. five a carry. And another, dude, another really bad one was Geno Smith had three attempts for 33 yards. It's over 11 yards per carry. And they got some first downs with Geno using his, his legs. Right. So, yep. uh, yeah, and, and these are guys that shouldn't be doing that to you, frankly. But, but I would agree that's kind of what I had as far as their run defense in the ugly. Uh, and that's pretty much all I had. Uh, a semi-decent game. And uh, we were kind of talking about this a little bit on New Year's, the Jay. Uh, say what you want about Mason Rudolph. You could sit here and debate on which quarterback should be playing. You know, you, everybody seems to have their preference. But how much more watchable alone are the Steelers with Mason Rudolph? Because it is significantly I, different I was, than their quarterback. I was saying to my whole family when we were talking about it, hey, Ed, that this was the most entertaining Steeler game in two seasons that I can remember because most of them yeah. were just, you know, even all the wins in, in these struggling couple seasons that we've got, or every game's tough to watch and comes down to the end or we just never run away with a big lead, all that kind of stuff. And this this game was back and forth, but we were hanging with that. So those are like the funnest to watch, especially coming out on top. So really enjoyed that. I I wanted to throw this at you because this was pretty funny. Always we always give uh, credit where it's due here on the What's Real podcast as my reference article on SteelersDepot.com. And I know you're not the biggest on on Fox as it's been through through the years even. Oh, and they they put Fox's broadcast on as a negative, and they said I don't often include these type of things, but without a lot of other obvious losers, we'll add the broadcast. It was sort of a mess from graphical errors to color analyst Jonathan Wilma struggling in the booth. It wasn't the cleanest production. So yeah, I thought that was they, funny because I was reading through this. I'm like, Fox's broadcast. Like, what's he saying about that? Yeah, they got the C team in there for them this week. That's for sure. Yeah, Vel- Velma was like ripping on mugs. Dude, it wasn't broadcast in many places around the country. I saw the map. Yeah, the yeah, because they had on like a, an old movie before it. Yeah, which was very weird. weird. I don't. I don't really understand the NFL coverage this past week, but uh, and dude, I, yeah, I guess it got screwed up because of the holidays and stuff. Remember when Mason Rudolph started for the Steelers a couple seasons ago? How he was always like running for his life and scared. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah, he got confidence. Dude stands. Yeah, Kevin he stands right in the well. pocket, man. Yep. That's something that I really liked about yeah, him. It's good to see. Uh, watching him these last couple games, he's not shook at all. So. Uh, and he's going to have a big test this upcoming weekend against the Baltimore Ravens. So and we're, I'm sure we're going to be talking about that a little bit more, too. Um, but that's a pretty good breakdown, I think, of the Steelers this week. Uh, solid game all around. Uh, would like to see the defense hold up a little bit better, but I'm not going to complain. The offense can prop them up a couple games. They've won enough this year for us anyways, as it is. I agree. And, and it's funny because – Living in Pittsburgh, we hear all the discourse constantly about the Steelers. And, you know, of course, you got your typical social media trolls and everybody else that's involved. But so many people here are frustrated. And that's just the high demand that it is in in Pittsburgh. And I get that. And at the end of the day, you're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry where players and coaches and everybody are millionaires and and the goal is to win. You know, I get all that. And and I know the Steelers haven't won in the postseason in some time, but this city acts like the Steelers are two and 16. Mm -hmm. Like they're still going to maybe make the playoffs. Like, you know, I, I just had to, to throw that out there while I was at it. Here. No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. It gets frustrating. And trust sometimes. me, I was right with there. I, you know, we were talking. We're like, oh, they should dump this season and get a draft pick. But yeah. hey, at the end yep. of the day, dude, it's all about the dubs and, and competing. And 
as we talk with our show dropping on Friday, the Steelers play the Ravens. Like you said, we'll be talking about it, but at the end of the day, there's still playoff implications. That's two years in a row where we wanted Tomlin's head and everybody's talking shit on the Steelers that they're still in the playoff race at the end of the year. Yeah. The last game of the regular season. So like, trust me, I want uh, the Super Bowls, but I think that's worth mentioning it again. That's the best way to put it. I just feel like people act around here like the Steelers are are three and eleven and shit like that. I'm like, they don't know how to deal with it here. The expectations yeah. here are always crazy. It is what so it is. it's and you know it's always been that way. Right. So it, it's going to continue to be that way too. It's just how we are as Steelers fans. But now it is time to get back into it. The J, the what's real power rankings after Week Seventeen. What's real NFL power rankings? Of course, that's when me and the Jay break down the NFL teams from worst to first. So let's get into it, the Jay. I doubt much has changed here. This week at 32 for me and probably you, the Carolina Panthers. Let's cue them up. Where's the where's the big cat handler? What's up, Jerome? Yeah, go ahead. Come on. Bring him up. Don't bite me. Wow. Jesus Christ. Wow. Right, get him out of here. All right. Panthers, 32. Uh, this week for me at 31, not a big surprise, is the New England Patriots. I'm with you. Uh, 30 for me, this is where I have the Los Angeles Chargers. I put the Commanders there. That's who I have at 29. Cardinals at 29. That's who I have at 28. Giants at 28. That's who I have at 27. Titans at 27. That's who I have at 26. <laughs> Hilarious. That's where I, I put the Chargers. 25, I have the Jets. It's a great minder. All the worst teams. 24 is where I have the Falcons. I'm with you. 23 for me this week is the Minnesota Vikings. I got the Bears. That's who I have at 22. Vikings at 22. 21 for me is the Las Vegas Raiders. I got the Raiders at 21. 20 this week for me is the Cincinnati Bengals. That's where I put the Saints. At 19, I have the Denver Broncos. Great minder. 18 for me is where I have the Seattle Seahawks. That's where I put the Packers. 17's where I have the New Orleans Saints. So I got the Bengals. 16 for me is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Great minder. 15 for me is the Houston Texans. So I put the Seahawks. 14's where I have the Green Bay Packers. Jaguars. 13's where I have the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got the Colts. I have them at 12. Texans at 12. 11's where I have the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, that's where I put the Rams. And that's who I have just falling into my number 10 at number 10. All right, top 10. I did put the Steelers in the 10. They're getting there. We'll see how they do this week. Uh, number nine for me is the Cleveland Browns. That's where I dropped the Chiefs. I have them at eight. Yeah, this crazy. And that's that's where I have the Eagles. Seven's where I have the Dolphins. That's where I put the Browns. Six is where I have the Eagles. All right, that's where I put the Lions. All right, now we get into our top five. The J this week at number five. This is where I have the Buffalo Bills. Great minder. And I, I had that marked off twice. Hey, I had two other teams there initially. So, okay. It's just and four for me this week is the Dallas Cowboys. That's where I put the Dolphins at four. All right, now the top three. Here we go. The J number three for me this week is the Detroit Lions. I got the Cowboys. Number two. Sorry. Number two for me is the San Francisco 49ers. And at number one, that's where I have the Baltimore Ravens. Wow, pretty neat. We take a break and we we get off each other's wavelengths because we've typically had a pretty similar top three. Sometimes they'd be out of order, but we'd have the same teams. This one's a bit off. I actually have the, the Cowboys at three, the Ravens at two, and the Niners at one. 
Yeah, I'm putting the the Niners back because of their loss and because the Ravens literally have beaten the best teams. Yeah, I don't blame you. I thought of it. So it's very close, and it's going to be interesting to see next week how it it shakes out the season finale of the power rankings for us here on the show uh, for the the last final regular season power rankings going into the playoffs. Um, But, of course, we have some predictions to make, the Jay, so let's get into that. These are all the NFL predictions for Week 18, Uh, and it's a pretty interesting week overall, of course. We have our Pittsburgh Steelers going into Baltimore to play the Ravens. Uh, Who do you like in this one? This is a Saturday 4.30 game on ABC. So this one you take into the account that the Ravens, having locked the number one seed, they're the only team that's going to have a week off in, in the playoffs with their bye. So yep. you would think they're not going to play a lot of starters because they have nothing to play for. However, I think they're however, play. they're going to play against the Steelers. Don't get me wrong, hey Ed, and and they're definitely going to be playing Lamar Jackson unless things get out of hand or change. So uh, all that considered, I, I think they're they're bringing full tilt at the Steelers. But I like the Steelers' momentum. I like the Steelers when it's a must-win situation like that. It really seems like they got something up their butt. You know, Tomlin emphasized that he really was on the line in the running game to do what they did, and it, it seemed like they responded to him. All, all that said, hey, Ed, I'm, I'm going to go with probably Homer instinct. I'll call it gut instinct. I'm picking the Steelers. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Steelers, too. I think they're going to squeak this one out, but I do think it's going to be a really good game, uh, and it's not going to be the easiest uh, battle for the Steelers to win that game, to say the least. So, And also... The Steelers generally play Lamar Jackson very well, and I don't think he's going to play the whole game. He's definitely going to play, but we'll have to see how this one shakes out. But nonetheless, I do pick the Steelers in that one. Uh, up next, this one has major, major playoff implications. The 9-7 and seven Texans against the 9-7 and seven Colts in Indianapolis, the Jay. I think the Texans are going to squeak this one out. Yeah, man, this could truly go either way. This is going to be a tough-fought battle. This is Saturday night football, 8-15 primetime. Oh, I'm going to go with the Colts. I, I like the home team in this one. Hey, Ed. Okay, fair so enough. We'll split that. We have another AFC North battle. The 11-5 and Browns play the 8-8 eight eight Bengals in Cincinnati. Yeah, another – you know, that's what they did – Week 18, it's all division games. So pretty cool. Yep. The NFL is going out with a bang. Playoffs should be good on what was basically a subpar year. We talked about that. Tom Brady had comments this year about the the, the quality of play dropping. But at the end of the day, as a hardcore NFL fan, man, I think the end of the year and the playoffs this year are going to be as, as good as any. So pumped up for that. Hey, Ed. Um, Kind of talking out of my ass to try to make the pick too, <laughs> so uh, I'm just I'm just gonna go with my instincts. I, I think the Browns, you know, they got this one. I, I don't think that Browning has the magic that he initially looked like he might have as the backup. So let's go with the Browns on that. I'm actually gonna go with the Bengals in this one as a spoiler. All right. That's the main reason why I'm going sniff, with them at home. Yeah, I mean, I the Browns should beat them, but I think the Bengals are going to kind of come out and play really well because it's AFC North football. That's what and it it's is. definitely their it's their last game of the year, no matter what. So I think the Bengals have a good showing. Uh, next up is the seven and nine Vikings versus the eleven and five Lions. Uh, this is a gut feeling for me, the Jay, but I'm going with the Lions on this one because I think they're really pissed off from what happened last week, and they're going to try and make an example out of a division foe. Yeah, I think the Lions got this. The nine and seven Jaguars play the five and eleven Titans in Tennessee. 
Yeah, this is another tough divisional game. Titans have been struggling. I have them down, but again, they always play the Jags tough. These games always come down to the end. And and uh, Mike, Mc- or I'm sorry, Mike Vrabel, uh, I like him as the Titans coach, even though they struggled this year. But nonetheless, hey, Ed, I'm sticking with the Jaguars. They're, they're in a must-win situation. I think they're going to get the dub. They're in a must-win situation, but I'll be honest with you. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to be ready to go here. Right. And I'm just going on a whim here, but I think the Titans are going to barely pull this one out. But they're going to get the win at home and kind of play spoiler to the Jaguars. Um, in literally the most least interesting game of the week by far for me, the 6-10 and 10 Jets go into New England to play the 4-12 and 12 Patriots. Uh, the Jets will win this game, and no one's going to care, including me. <laughs> yeah. I think Belichick's going to end up with the Commanders after this game. That's possible. You know, we'll okay. See. But, yeah, I think that uh, it's an end of the, the end of an era, and the Patriots are going to go down like a, a fart. <laughs> That's that. Next up is the 7-9 and nine Atlanta Falcons going into New Orleans to play the 8-8 eight eight Saints, the Jay. Who do you like here? Yeah, this is another divisional game. So the implications on this one, if the Buccaneers can't somehow find a way to beat what we consider the worst team in the league uh, against the Panthers at one, then this game is for the NFC South Championship, and that's the Falcons and Saints, which is uh, congruently playing at the same time as – the Buccaneers Panthers game. So that will be interesting to watch in the early window on Sunday. Uh, this could go either way, had, but you know what? I, I, there's sometimes the Falcons look decent and then they fall off. Same kind of with the Saints, but the Saints, I feel like, have more consistency and they played pretty well last week with the win. I'm going to pick the Saints on this. Yeah, I'm gonna, this is a total coin flip to me, it but is, I'm going to yeah. go with the Saints as well. Um, I, I don't really believe in either one of these teams, so we'll have to see how that shakes out. And speaking of the game that you already mentioned, the Jay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to get, going into Carolina to play the two and fourteen Panthers. I don't think that last game is going to matter a whole lot because I think the Bucks are going to win this game and the division. Yeah, I, I told you, man, I, I got a soft spot for for Baker, so let's go with the Bucks. Also, we have a big divisional rivalry here. The seven and nine Bears are playing the eight and eight Panthers with a lot of playoff implications on the line here. The Jay, what do you think about this one? The Packers. Um, yeah, this is old. Or did I? What did I say? Panthers. Oh Jesus, the Packers. Oh, it's close Sorry. Switching out. We've hit it already. <laughs> um, I don't know. The Packers. Jordan Love's kind of stepping it up, man. Let's go Packers at home, Lambeau. Yeah, I'm only picking it because it's Panthers or Packers at home. Yeah. So that's what I'm going with there. Uh, another division game coming up. We have the eight and eight Broncos versus the seven and nine Raiders in Las Vegas. Uh, with all the recent stuff going on with the Broncos, they're kind of a mess right now, which is very weird because they could have made the playoffs. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Raiders in this one. Barely. Yeah, they fell off the of Broncos, but I still think they they get one on the Raiders. So we'll split on that one. I'm gonna go Broncos. Also, we have the eleven and five Eagles taking on their division foes, the Giants, at five and eleven on Sunday at four twenty five. Who do you like here, the Jay? Eagles been struggling, hey, yeah, but they're not going to struggle against the shoddy Giants team. There was times where there were slight glimmers of hope for the Giants this year, but to no avail. I think the Eagles got this one. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on that one. I think the Eagles are going to get the win here. Uh, next up is the 8-8 eight eight Seahawks up against the 4-12 and 12 Cardinals. Now, this one's weird because I think the Cardinals can beat the Seahawks, but I just don't think they're going to be playing super hard because they want to get a better draft pick if they can help it. 
So I'm going to go with the Seahawks here. Yeah, that's the kind of way I looked at it, too. I, I, I like the way the Cardinals have been playing. It seems like they're not done, you know, even though they are. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to split on that one. This might be the, the week of most splits, ironically, all the way to week 18 between the two of us. But, yeah, I'm picking the Cardinals. We have the 10-6 and six Chiefs taking on the 5-11 and 11 Chargers. Yeah, Chiefs, Chiefs in this one. Chargers are just all over the place. Yeah, they got nothing in them, I don't think. So That'd be a big I, I upset there. if that happened. Uh, uh, we also have the 12-4 and four San Francisco 49ers hosting the Rams at 9-7. and seven. Uh, I think the Rams are going to win this game because they just have more to play for. I don't even know if the Niners are going to be, you know, the starters are definitely not going to play the whole game. My line of thinking exactly. I don't, I don't think the 49ers are worried about this, so I, I'm going to pick the Rams. Uh, Sunday, we also have the 11 and five Cowboys playing against the four and 12 commanders. And this game is very important because the Eagles and the Cowboys are basically playing for the division this weekend. Uh, and we both said the Eagles are going to win. Uh, what do you think about this one? Jay? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, like you mentioned, the commanders are going to be bringing it. Cowboys don't really have much to, to worry about with the clinching. However, I still think they're they're playing all out. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. See, here's my thing. Uh, Cowboys are playing for the division, but they're playing on the road where they've been horrible this year. That's a good I think point. the command and in its division game. I think the Commanders are going to somehow pull this one out, and it's going to really screw up the Cowboys for the playoffs. Yeah, that happens. Um, and the Cowboys are 13 point favorites, so I'm going with a big upset in that one. Um, and of course, Sunday night, this one is a big game. The Bills at ten and six versus the eleven and five Dolphins. The Jay, I really don't know how to feel about this one, um, especially because it's such a big matchup between these two teams, and you might see them play again in the playoffs. Um, I'm just simply solely going with the Dolphins at home because it's at home. But I think that that could be me going really out on a limb because I think Buffalo could easily win this game. Yeah, I mean, truly, either way. It's the main event of the weekend, too, with a lot of implications and good games, as I was saying at the outset. This one for the AFC East, just straight up, whoever wins is the AFC East championship and as such gets that playoff slot. So a uh, big-time game to end the, uh, an amazing last regular season week in the NFL. I'm going to pick the Dolphins too, though. I, I, I like their, um, you know, where they're at right now going into this game. I think they're going to get it. All right. So that's our predictions for the show. Don't forget to join us next week to see how all that shaked out. And of course, we're going to be talking about the Steelers versus the Ravens, uh, playoff predictions, and our final regular season power rankings here as well. Uh, but we are up against our final commercial break. And whenever we come back, we're going to wrap up the show and we're going to talk some goofs. So stay tuned. We'll be back right after this, right here on the What's Real Podcast. Hey everybody, it's your boy The J with the What's Real Podcast, and we're introducing a brand new segment for Season 5 in 2024. It's our culture. It's the What's Real Culture. We're going to take a deep dive into some interesting subjects in What's Real Culture, things that typically don't end up on the show. It's going to be exciting, and it's brand new for Season 5 of the What's Real Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Herman James. For the What's Real podcast, and I'm here to just let you know to welcome you to Goofs or Goofs. And we're back, and it's that time once again, especially for the first time for the season premiere of the J. What do we got this week on the Goof front? Oh, we're bringing it. I, I had my uh, The Rock Just Bring It t shirt on earlier today, hey, because yeah, I, I had an important meeting, and I'm. You, dude, you could say that you just brought it. Yeah, I'm weirdly superstitious. So I'm like, I'm going to wear my uh, The Rock t shirt under this. 
it, I think it you're, worked. I'm going to wear was, my uh, The Rock t-shirt. Yeah, it was successful. You know, so that's right. You're you're actually going to face The Rock at WrestleMania this year. We were going to hold off to announce it next week, but we're very excited. Uh, the Jays already set up to win the title the month before. I know we're not supposed to tell you this, but I'm spoiling it. Uh, which he will do, and then face The Rock at uh, WrestleMania. So congratulations, man. Thank I mean, you're probably going to get fired now that I uh, spoiled that, but sorry. Yeah, thanks, Hey, Ed. This, this is why I never main event at WrestleMania. You see? Yeah, off the Impact Wrestling for you, the J. They're going to have to call you the, the G or something. Yeah, Da G. Da G. I'm going to be feuding with Tyrus before the fucking month's over. How, how dare you? I think I could body slam him. Maybe. I sent this to you. We're kicking off GRG 189. Next week, we hit the 190s, folks. Thanks for being on the ride. We're starting off 2024 in Season 5 strong. And I must say, hey, Ed, returning to the lagoon. It is beautiful. We have some of the winter animals back. We did lose a bunch of our penguins. We're working on having them for the end of 2024 into 2025. So we'll see how that goes with, with knock the penguin farm of the future, but at least we have some deer and fauna here at the, the and lagoon. dude, I thought knock would be back. He's apparently he stopped in to do all this stuff. And then he went back to, uh, I think Panama. I haven't seen him. Yeah, he's MIA as, yeah. as he is. Maybe he'll be here next. Is he, is he going to be here next week? Did you talk to him at all? Possibly. I haven't talked okay. to him. Though. Yeah. So, okay. Well, maybe we'll, we'll get to it. I guess we'll see if cam can reach him. I shall. And we're, we're starting off with a bang. Hey, Ed, cause this, I love how they clip this, this clip together in uh, two parts here. So if you watch it, it's titled too much top shelf liquor at top golf date night with the wife at the range. What could possibly go wrong Jesus. for those unfamiliar with top golf? There's a, an upper deck area and a lower deck area where, you know, you hit the balls into the range and play different games at top golf. This woman somehow misses the ball, does a full 360, and falls forward off the second floor pat- platform. And just plummets in front of the, the dude that's on the lower end. Yep. And, and it's dude. <laughs> how far of a drop is that? I've never been to Top Golf, I mean, but I imagine yeah, it's, it's probably fifteen feet. Yeah, that's you know what saved her death if you're drunk. Yeah, I mean she probably broke her ribs or pelvis or something, but she did because of the three sixty and she was upright. She kind of like jumped out. So I think it could have been worse. Although I don't know the landing. She like landed straight on her face. Yeah. It, you would think so. I mean, she's never been heard from again, from what I understand. Yeah, like we, we say that's what's great about these viral videos. You see like the most violent shit ever, and then it just you just move on. Like you have no clue. Like, yeah, that person rest in peace. You know, R.I.P. Drunk lady at Top Golf. Yeah, like she perished at the the golf of Top, like a goof. I bet. You, I bet. I bet you she's at Bottom Golf now. Yeah, <laughs> in hell. Yeah. But yeah, this next one is uh, violent. It's straight from the press off of Fuck Around and Find Out. Where this, what the fuck? Yeah, this jackass tries to just step on this huge metal like roof, and uh, the the wind gust takes him out. Like, I think he's, what an, he's concussed. I believe we call that, that's what you get. Yeah. I mean, in, in a windstorm where the winds are... Close to 25 miles an hour. You don't just casually step on like the roof of this thing that's on the ground. So I'm going to walk on this. It's like, well, he's like he's nature's like, I'll, like not for long. Yeah, he's like, I'll hold this down with my foot. The yeah, wind is more powerful than your weight, you 
doofus. And and speaking of of wind and just science in general, this idiot. It's just entitled "What the Heck." Uh, for those for the visual, it's at Alpha Fox seventy eight. Oh Jesus yep. fucking Christ! This dude jumps off a roof onto a trampoline, thinking he's gonna bounce, and both his knees are in uh, the orbit of Mars. Dude, holy! It doesn't even. It looks like AI. Yeah. Like, like you think he tore his BCL, MCL? I think yes. He probably he probably hurt his back. He tore all of his L's. <laughs> yeah. In in the in the gist of of completing a big L because that is yes. I you know for for those listening, we say we're kind of a PSA here at the What's Real podcast and Goose or Goose specifically. So any of you youngins or or if you're an old head that's you know, just thrown down. Jump, a, jump off your roof onto a trampoline. That's a good idea. Yeah, it'll just, real it'll realign your spine. Just don't expect your knees to be there when when or after your, the leap, or your insurance to cover it. Correct. This next Thank one had me fun. cracking up for us rest the wrestling fans in us as Jushin Thunder Liger beats up a baseball mascot in Japan. <laughs> I've actually seen this before. Yeah, he puts him in a surfboard. And, and for those that don't yep. know, know the the pro wrestling move, a surfboard is you kind of turn a dude over on his stomach on the ground and lift him up in this crazy ass way, like having all his limbs just tore the fuck up. Yeah. So this next one, right. hey Ed, you have to watch a few minutes of. Okay. The I have it happened. I so happen to have a couple minutes to do that. All right. right. And the title of the video is "I Am Deceased," and. <laughs> The the reason why I'm not watching someone die, am I? You might, okay, because great. it's a room full of ventriloquists with their dolls doing a music number. It's They're I believe yesterday. in yesterday. Oh, this is the God. most. So picture this, folks. Eight idiots with their ventriloquist dummies singing "Yesterday" from the Beatles. This is uh, not known, but like they're also their their professional working name is Eight Dummies and Eight Virgins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and ironically, it it kind of ties into uh, Pantera, where I like look at this video as a vulgar display of power. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's a vulgar display of something. Yeah, it's the other end of the spectrum of Pantera. <laughs> it's it's a vulgar display of powder, yeah. as in sawdust. <laughs> uh, this next one from our friends at at what we witnessed. Uh, this one takes place in Amarillo, uh, Spain, which uh, I was oh, thinking we were gonna man. Yeah, the home of the Funks, Amarillo, Texas. The the double the double cross ranch. Double cross ranch, but no, we're in Spain. Where a old woman on a walker is annihilated by a two-ton bull, she gets, she has no idea that that bull's there. Yeah, I'm she guessing. gets shooting star pressed, uh, you know, unwillingly with the oh. <laughs> with the walker. But as always, the best are the uh, the the bystanders. Like they just yeah. they don't know what to get do. Get out of here! Yeah. Get out of here! Like, do not touch Jeez. her. It's like she's dead, bro. Like literally, she has no like. Well, you know what? I think he he gave he gave her enough torque to cover being like dead. You know what I mean? She made the full revolution. Yeah, she made the full revolution, which saved her. 
She just landed on a bunch of bricks. So that's probably <laughs> yeah. horrible. The doctor's like, the good news is because the bowl hit you so hard, your rotation saved your life. The bad news is you landed on bricks. <laughs> so the, the bad news is you're 97 years old. Yeah. The worst news is the bull knocked you into next week, which means you're going to die any second now. She's making conversation with the dude in the hospital bed next to her. He's like, yeah, I jumped off my roof onto a trampoline. I have no knees. <laughs> Pretty sure this, this lady was alive five years before Methuselah was a thing. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we, set, we shout this out. It's a awesome X thread. Um, it's at Pittsburgh underscore scanner. And it's literally a dude reporting what is said on the, the scanner for Pittsburgh police. Police scanner. And this yep. one stood out over the winter break where it was downtown Greyhound station. Caller said he is with the quote Altoona predator hunters. They Chris Hansen some guy to meet them at the bus station posing as a miner. <laughs> yeah, and you want to hear the, I know what this is, and you want to hear the worst part about it is what the, the dude uh, was Altoona a predator the, hunters. They apparently caught a lawyer uh that was uh that had a ton of child pornography and they had to let him loose because these people were not actually law enforcement. So good job, you dumbasses. Our shout out to the Altoona Predator Hunters, boo. The APH. What'd they say in Princess Bride? They're like, boo her. Boo. <laughs> boo. Or, or like half-baked. Boo this man. He just in here for some wear of marijuana. I'm sucking dick he's for in here for He's in here for some wear of marijuana. <laughs> yeah. Not going to lie, hey, Ale. And you know your boy, the J, has done this. I have yeah, you, photographic you have proof. Lied. I, I've lied, you know, yeah. uh, fully admit that. But I've also jumped off of high things into trees. This. And that's what this dude is, did. But uh, fortunately for me, I actually landed somehow and was okay. This dude goes really, through it and lands rib first on a fucking chain link fence. I really missed the Jared jumping off high things through trees era. Yeah, my phase. Yeah, it was an era. Yeah, it was great. It, it, it was better. great. Yeah, it was an era. So this this next one is uh, one of our favorites as well. It's at CCTV Idiots. Oh, yeah! Did you see that dude dive out of the tree? Yeah, don't land on fences when you no, do this. He, they said he broke every rib, so he found out he has and eight his, ribs. He broke eight of them, and he no, he's never ever giving getting anyone pregnant ever. Yeah, the, the doctor's like the bad news is you broke every rib. The good news is you can now suck your own penis. Yeah, <laughs> he has no anything in his <laughs> diaphragm. Oh, this dude! Oh man, yes. I'm already watching the other thing. So this dude goes. It says no more diving for his ass as he tries to dive into some chick that's on the dance floor spreading eagle and just does a header into the fucking ground. And yeah, because he didn't realize that the chair was going to move. Yeah, so he he was you know completely concussed. Did a flying headbutt to the floor when, when diving some when ass. diving for pussy goes wrong. Yes, which it's a it's a true cautionary tale. <laughs> it is. The next one, I, I was going to send this to you, uh, but I figured I'd save it to the show. Hey, Ed, it's titled If the Relationship Ain't This, I Don't Want It. And it's kind of like how you and your girl are. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which I'm, I'm, 
And for the visual, the dude just takes her water out of her hand, <laughs> throws it out the window, pushes her hand down to give him roadhead. Then he climbs out of the sunroof and jumps out of the car. She's <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah, she's just driving with one hand in the driver, the passenger seat. <laughs> yeah, I do this to my girlfriend all the time. I always jump out of the sunroof of a moving car. <laughs> but it's so funny oh how God. he like pulls her head down at first. <laughs> This is, there's another video like this of like a kid and his son where he puts on rap songs and like he'll like smack a bowl of cereal out of his hands. Yeah. And <laughs> there is something funny about just total asshole shit like that to me. Oh, it's hilarious. Maybe I'm an asshole. Yep. You are hate yet, I could tell you. Thank you. But, Thanks. but in the best way possible. God damn it. Uh, this next one is a new sponsor of the show. I wanted to give you an announcement here live on the air. So breaking news here at the What's Real Studios for Hey Ed, our new sponsor, Woo Wings. I don't care how many products Ric Flair slaps his famous Woo on, nothing will ever be as are hilarious they, as Woo Wings. Are they Woo Wings or are they Woo Wings? Woo Wings, and they look like shit. Okay. I bet they do. They're going to feed it, feed them to that dude with no rib cartilage. <laughs> and the fence dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Through a, through a tube. Yeah, this this next one, it might take some time, but it's well worth it. It's called Surprise Bitch. So this this woman's trying to go viral. It's called Surprise Bitch. <laughs> yeah. So it looks like she's doing like a, a fitness maneuver. You know, she's kind of squatting. And she's just like, no. And she's on camera and she's doing her thing. And she's acting like she's going to do a backflip. And then she does it and lands on her neck. So, so you oh see boy. what she's doing? She's trying to build it up like she's like, oh, I can't do this. I can't what do this. What an idiot. And then like does it to like, you know, prove that she can, but it backfires. Maybe she was just, maybe the whole point was for her to take a fully bump for no apparent reason. Well, I'll raise you that fully bump with this fully bump because oh, man. this is our viral fully bump of the week as Scooter <laughs> Kid tries a stunt. And for those for the listening oh, ears. Yes, I hate scooter kids. Yep, he tries to do a jump Good. off the scooter. Oh. Talk about road rash. He ends up sliding about 15 feet on concrete on his face. You've heard of face lifts. This is actually a face droop. Yep. And then Ugh. this one is, what did I just see here, hate yet? And I'll throw it at you. I'll have you describe this one as you watch it because it's a quick one. Okay. It's at what we witnessed. So you think the dude's just sitting down. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah. The dude gets a fucking... And they can't uh, believe uh, he's it. He's sitting on a he stool. He sits on a stool, but it breaks the seat. And the, and the he metal gets piece yeah, goes in his anus. And um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's in the uh, the hospital wing. <laughs> it's it, the Dude, at the bottom lady. it says... Fr- from Charles Darwin approves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it. Uh, uh, how, Darwin. how about some morbid knowledge for you here in GRG, starting off season five of What's Real Hate Yup? Back in 2015, 54 year old Larry McElroy fired his nine millimeter pistol at an armadillo. The bullet bounced off the animal, hit a fence, Traveled through the back door of his mother-in-law's mobile home and the recliner in which she was sitting, striking her in the back. McElroy's 74-year-old mother-in-law, Carol Johnson, suffered injuries described as non-life-threatening. Dude, 
So you'd think that sounds so crazy, you'd like almost want to see it happen. But I don't. I'd much rather see the court case that came from this, where it's like, so I shot the armadillo, and it bounced off it, and it went through the fence, and it went through the back door, and it almost killed my mother-in-law. And the judge is like, you're fucking lying. You're, you're guilty. Yeah. Like, like that can never It's like happen. we always say shit when you tell the real story, but it sounds like a lie. Yeah. But it's really what happened. And that's that. That's the antithesis of that. <laughs> yeah, it's, talk about magic bullet theories. Yeah, exactly. And then this was the last one because this was breaking today. And this is just ridiculous. It's breaking news as ESPN issued an apology for showing a woman flashing a boob during the Sugar Bowl broadcast. Like, well, where are we at one, in America? I'm I'm upset that I missed it. Number two. Uh, I'm going to look that up on Twitter. Yeah, I have it pulled up now. It's beautiful breasts. Some newbie Send queen. That to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, need, I, need, I need to see this. Because I didn't watch the sh- dark areola, I guess which they, I like. She she took the sugar bowl literally here. <laughs> yeah. But but how, how ridiculous is that in America now? Like the Janet Jackson thing was how long ago? And she had that. Remember, we, we did it on the podcast. It was the, oh, the, the, the starburst nipple shield. And and this woman just has her bare breast and it's one tit and uh, ESPN had to apologize. Like, you know, in Oh, they were showing like New Orleans, yeah. like on the she's, oh, like getting, okay. she's like getting beads in the background with her titty out. And it's like, we have to apologize because you saw a titty. And like, meanwhile, well, little sorry. babies are sucking on titties as that commercial's on. Well, and it's like, uh, guys, I don't know if you know what Bourbon Street's known for, yeah. but yeah, that's... Uh, you just see a baby yep. sucking on a titty, giving the people's eyebrow. ESPN apologizes for accidentally broadcasting a woman flashing their breasts on Bourbon Street in the middle of the Sugar Bowl. Apparently, that's not what the B in B-roll stands for. Yeah. <laughs> it stands for beads. <laughs> yeah, of course. What else would it be? Yeah, this, this this next one, we have two more hate you for the send-off. We wanted to do a jam-packed GRG to kick things off. Season 5 of the Double R Question Mark. This one is entitled Fantastic Four Chris Evans, this guy. So this young idiot who we can't rip too much on, hey, Ed, because he was a lot like us when we were spry young athletes that we were. Uh, he's all ripped up, probably about 20 years old, weighs about a buck oh five. Sp- spills, uh, what is that, gasoline. All over yeah, his no, torso, he's an idiot. lights himself on fire, and then does a moonsault off the bridge. So it looks like he, because you know how some of the people that we watched on Goose or Goose that set themselves on fire, they'll jump in water and still be on fire. Yep. And this idiot uh, was not. So, you know, good for him to be able to pull that stunt off. But yeah, I had to throw that one on because that was a pretty wild one. I just I want to watch him light up again. Oh yeah, his face lights up. So like, I don't know if he got through that completely unscathed. Yeah, that was on Barstool Sports. For those interested in looking it up, and last but not least, hey, yeah, just sent it to you. This one is uh, our friends over at No Context Humans. They're trying to do that thing where they have the the fat guy on the end of the big thing you jump on to like spring them up and the dude mm-hmm. that jumps fucking completely takes an L if you could see this. So the fat guy jumps to try to bounce his friend, his friend barely gets any height and he rolls off like the fat fuck he is into the pond. You got to love that. Yeah. And he ended up Let's getting some, here. some disease from the pond and uh rest in peace. I just found out 
live on the show. He passed away. So now I feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Chunky fat yeah, dude. Heavyweight. Dude, apparently. Dude, okay, so I have one uh, that I'm going to send you here. Um, let's see. This is, uh, it's basically titled uh, Worst Nightmare Caught on Camera. This is Crazy Clips Only on Twitter. Uh, where a dude jumps off a pier as he didn't realize that there was a moving current. So the dude literally looks like he's swimming in an infinity pool to try and get back to the fucking thing that he jumped off of. And it's like, why would you jump in moving water like this? Like it's, <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because like this motherfucker is just swimming and swimming. And of course, they have the person filming him who is like, fuck you, drowned. I'm not helping you do shit. <laughs> it's great. Like the water's moving like a motherfucker when he dives into it. And it's like, bro, yeah, there's a current. Yeah, geez. You're definitely going out to sea, you idiot. How about like, you know how they say when you're in the woods and you're by yourself or, or I'm sorry, if, if a tree falls in the woods, that, that was, they did that on one of the early Simpsons seasons. Yep. When a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound like, which I always hated that. Cause I'm like factually and scientifically. Yes. Like I never, like I get the Zen kind of look at it and where they're coming from, but I'm like, you know, science bro. But this, this is along those lines to wrap things up this week. Hey, Ed, as I ask you, what would bears be without bees? Uh, especially the bears that shoot bees out of their mouths. Ears. Wait, what? What would bears be without bees? Uh, ears. Ears. Yeah, sorry. That <laughs> one. Yeah. We're well into the witching hour here. I have no idea what's going on. Like, what, what are we even doing? Are we doing the show or are we just talking right now? I don't remember. I don't remember either. Why, why can't you hear a pterodactyl going to the bathroom? Got me. Because the P is silent. Yuck, Natural. yuck, yuck. I, I wanted to pull out some you can, classic Johnny you can, the Joke Man Anderson from Howard Stern, which I purposely put in his <laughs> Johnny the Joke Man Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Witching hour. Oh God! But as I it's say to my, yeah, my brother from another <laughs> mother, just saying it straight up this time to start things off. Hey Ed, but through it all, we've been ranting. What else can I say? And still here in season five in twenty twenty four, goofs are goofs. So that's it for us here on the season opener, if you will, of the What's Real podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can listen to us each and every week on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And, of course, if you're listening on iTunes, give us a five-star review. helps out the algorithm and gets more eyes and ears on the program. If you have something you'd like to add to the show, you can do so at whatsrealpod at gmail.com. Again, that is whatsrealpod at gmail.com. Uh, shout out to our producer, Cam, for all the hard work he puts in the show because, as we know here on the program, nobody beats the whiz. The J, clang, clang. Clang, clang. Five years running as the podcasting tag team champions. And uh, like I said, we're going to be undefeated forever. So nobody's coming after the titles. Uh, we defended them on several planets already because we do that shit whenever we're not doing Intergalactic planetary. Um, exactly. So I have nothing else to say. So the J, take it away. Revving it up. Hey, yeah. Zoom, zoom. Room, room. As the great Aristotle said, the purpose of knowledge is action, not knowledge. So there you go. Hey, that's your uh, fortune cookie from the J to your ears for the show and to wrap up this first episode of season five. 
but you know, you could tell your boy is crawling. <laughs> You're no longer pumped up, are you? The I'm still pumped up, baby. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> All my usual shout outs. Love the show. Our producer's still here. The one and only wizard behind the boards. We appreciate what you do, Cam. Thanks for that consistent, constant weekly 16K sound. My brother, hey, Ed, I'm glad to be back, baby. One more year beyond. We'll see what happens, but I'm glad to be doing it with you week to week. Let's do it. Season five, baby. If you're hearing my voice right now, happy new year. Let's all bring it in 2024. Keep spreading the word of the What's Real podcast. We appreciate it. Hit us up on social media. Hit us up on what's real at gmail.com. But you'll definitely through it all hear the J next week. So that's it for us this week here on episode 189, the season five premiere of the What's Real podcast. Hope you guys continue to join us on this journey. But that is it. Join us for don't, uh, don't forget to join us next week on episode 190 of the What's Real podcast. But until then, uh, have a good week. Uh, happy holidays. Happy New Year. And we will see you here next week on What's Real podcast. What's Real podcast.